Welcome back, guys, to another brand new episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Thanks for joining us again. I uh, hope everybody had a really good week. We are getting this podcast kicked off with a delicious fire chai. If anybody follows me on the ground, they know all about what that chai, fire chai is all about. But I drink a fire chai tea every morning that I make over the stove. It's very meditative, and I really enjoy it. I've been doing it for a long time. This is episode 60. I know. Wow, 60. I didn't realize that. Okay, so here are some couple updates. We celebrated Brian's birthday earlier this week. He turned... 33. 53. 53. 53. <laughs> 33. Um, well, we've been going for walks, like, I'm talking like... I don't know, half a mile walks, not even yeah, <laughs> quarter qu- mile. Quarters, quarters. Um, after dinner, and where we are right now in Pennsylvania, it's uh, it's up on a mountain. Something we we don't know for sure if this is, but we're assuming that um, there's been a couple times since we've gotten here that if we like stood up too quick, um, that like repetitively we're getting like lightheaded, and I think it's because the mountain air. Yeah, that's been know, it's, like yeah, it happened to both of us. Um, but anyway, so we've been taking walks and. We've been really noticing all the animals that live here. I mean, I always knew they're here. This is where I'm from. Sure. But it's weird because like it's been years since I've spent this much time in Pennsylvania as I have been lately. And it's just obnoxious. I mean, you'll walk out. We see a, a bunny rabbit that Brian named Bazoinky. Bazoinky. That's his name. It, it just kind of rolled off the tongue. It and he, natural. we see him every, every evening on our walk. There's like deer everywhere. There, we saw a skunk the other day. Um, we saw a... Well... This is another story. I was sitting out by the pool and Onyx was in my lap and Brian was walking around doing something by the pool and Onyx stands up in my lap and like gets like barrel chested and starts growling Mm -hmm. and I'm looking out in that direction and me and Brian are talking and all of a sudden him and I end up looking at the same time at what, what is Onyx doing and she's growling at what looks like a fox and then as we get closer to it, it's a coyote. Yeah legit in our backyard it was a big one too it was like the size of a dog yeah it was like a large german shepherd and uh so i would say it was how many feet away from us probably like 15 yeah and it was like the pool is fenced the pool is fenced in so you could see through the fence but it's like right there in your yard where we easily walk around in that area like it's not off limits at all yeah. and it just prances over into the yard looks over at us and then just prances back into the woods yeah. like you know no biggie um, but that was interesting. And then what's one- really funny too is to watch Onyx react to these animals because where we live in St. Louis, there's not animals like this that are running around all the time. And so, like, I took Onyx out the other night and there was three deer standing in the yard. And the second I took him out and Onyx, like, made eye contact with the deer, she just starts growling. And then all of a sudden, she starts, like, whimpering in a sense because she doesn't know how to react. And the deer just kind of stands there, and they become. She becomes very observant of everything that's going on. So it's really interesting to see her reactions, like her firsts, in a sense, to see these different animals that she's not used to seeing. Yeah. What was really funny one night is that Brian and I were walking. It was kind of late. It was kind of getting dark out, and we did not have Onyx with us. And we're walking back to the house, and we see deer like running across our driveway, and obviously like spooks you at first because they're so big, right? And they just come out of nowhere, and then behind it. I thought I saw a coyote, okay? I, I think you just saw a third deer. 
I thought I saw a coyote and I got so scared because it was so much smaller than a deer or what it looked like smaller than a deer. And it was kind of dark out. So I ran to the front. We don't use the front door, but I ran to the front door, started like putting the, like pushing the, doorbell. what is it called? Doorbell. And my mom could see me through the side window. And she's like walking over like, what's wrong? And I'm like, open it, open it, open it. I was like, I think there's a coyote in our driveway. <laughs> and then we all go inside and they're like, no, you know, the coyote's not going to come that close to a car. And our cars are all in the driveway. So then we go out towards like the back of the kitchen area and look at the windows outside that show you our yard area and there's like four deer well then my mom and brian are trying to tell me the four deer are not going to be gallivanting around if there's a coyote which good point you know maybe it wasn't a coyote but i thought it was and i got really scared (laughs) um so our week's been interesting brian had tons of food on his birthday he has been always talking about his grandmother's blackberry pie for as long as i can remember well i looked up so how to for make my, for my birthday i always used to instead of getting cake i like love blackberry pie and so i would always do blackberry pie instead of my instead of a cake so this year i'm like excuse me i'm like okay let's uh let me see if i could find a blackberry pie because i looked up how to make one and i was like there's no way i'm gonna find blackberries right now at least not enough to make this with and i didn't want to season ones and i didn't want to use canned blackberries so i ordered this blackberry pie from funny enough <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. I had no idea it was coming from there. And um, it's called Blue Owl Baker or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. This this pie has been so hyped up to me by some people that it's just like... It's got so many reviews online. Yeah. It's like the best blackberry pie in we the country. We expected a lot from it. And I paid a lot from it. $69 to be exact for one, one eight-inch pie. <laughs> and... I don't. I didn't get to try it. I'm actually on a very. Um, it was underwhelming to say the least. Yeah, I'm on a strict diet right now of just like really home cooked meals. So I didn't have the blackberry pie, but it was funny because my mom and Brian were super disappointed. <laughs> They're like, "This is it. Like, this is the blackberry pie." Um, but nothing against those people. I think we just hyped it up too much in our in our heads. Um, <laughs> but else uh, I think that's been super cool about being up here is that um, since we are surrounded by the mountains and nature with all these animals and stuff, like you mentioned, I do my morning routine where, where it's like yoga meditation prayer and i do it as much as i can outside and even when i'm back in st louis i do it outside as long as it's not raining and the weather's okay and it's not super cold um because i just like that connection to being outside but when we're up here it's like an entirely different experience because it's all you hear is nature sounds you hear birds chirping you hear animals moving around like you're just we're deep in the mountains and it is so much more calming and i think breathing in this air where you're not in the city and you just have like much cleaner crisper air i just notice as i'm doing it when i get done each day in the morning after this routine i'm just very very calm you know like very connected to my surroundings and there's just a noticeable difference yeah um we've been like swimming a lot hanging out by the pool a lot going for walks a lot getting a lot of work done too i have to say that um but I'm ready to go back to St. Louis. <laughs> um, let's see. Something else I wanted to touch on. This is a little bit current events section of the podcast. I, earlier in the week, got into a tad bit of an argument with somebody. And uh, it was about the St. Louis couple that has been all over CNN. I don't know their names, but... Uh, you know, the one guy pulled out his gun and his wife pulled out a pistol and there was protesters apparently you know, quote unquote, on their property or whatever. For those of you that don't know the backstory, this is what happened. It's a gated community and the mayor of St. Louis apparently spoke out and gave away people's addresses and names for something. She was on a Facebook live addressing something going on with, uh, I think some type of the protesting. And she basically started naming off people that had something to do with protesting. And 
it, it was something because they were like outside of the city hall or outside of her house or something. I can't remember the exact scenario. But long story short, she got their names and actually read their names and their home addresses on Facebook Live, like calling these people out kind of. And then she, later she's like, I'm so sorry. I should have never done that. They ended up taking down the epi- or the Facebook Live video. So anyway, people that got, people got pissed. People got pissed. Yeah. Um, I would too. I understand that. And so these people start to protest and they're marching towards her home in this gated community. On the way to marching to her home, there is the home of this St. Louis attorney, apparently. He's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he walks out with like this huge gun on his property. And so does his wife with a little pistol. And is there's like videos, there's memes about this. It's like all out there. And from what I have seen thus far, there the protesters were also videotaping things because the guy was being a little bit ridiculous. And he was mm-hmm. saying, get off my prop, whatever he was saying, he was screaming. And he was kind of like threatening them, holding the gun in his hand, so was his wife. But in reality, those people were not there for them. They were passing by their house, going to the mayor's house for the issue and for what she had said about them. So it had nothing to do with them. And they weren't like on his sidewalk and they weren't on his lawn or anything. They were going by. Protesting is a right. Like you you can do that, you know, peaceful. Pro- you can do that. They weren't threatening them. They weren't trying to hurt those people. The protesters weren't pointing guns at them. They weren't doing anything to show anger towards that couple whatsoever. I guess there's people out there who feel that just because there's a law that allows you to stand in front of your house with a gun in your hand, that you can act like a buffoon against some groups of people that are going by trying to activate their right of protesting against something that they feel strongly about. And so I got into an argument because I personally strongly believe that that couple overreacted. Whether that's legal or not was not is not my point. My point is that as a society, I think there are things beyond law. Mm-hmm. And the law can serve you or the law can hurt you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's up to all of us as people with a conscious and a brain to decipher that for ourselves and not use every scenario or situation to exercise a right by given by law over your common sense or over what's appropriate for that situation. So even though what he did was not illegal, in my opinion, I felt as though it just from like my perception, it was African-American protesters for the majority. And it was a white couple standing in their lawn with their guns drawn out when those protesters weren't even there for them or threatening them or harming them in any way, walking by. So from my point of view, I felt that they were wrong. And now I see online that there's a ton of people supporting them. And there's a ton of people saying like how they should have shot the people that were protesting. And I don't know who the two political people are that are like, we're going to do everything we can to protect this couple. They were protecting their land. I just want to say this one thing. I don't care what anybody's opinion is on this. I have my opinion and that's that. However, if you go back and look at the media or you go back and look at all the stuff that you see on CNN or then you compare with the videos that the protesters have, which are like all angles of the scenario, not just one-sided because there's so many of them with their cell phones out, you have to understand that when we make opinions based on solely the facts that are shown to us in the media, that's not the full story. That's correct. I'm going to play devil's advocate just on a couple points right here. I know people probably fall on different. Oh, I'm not. And, and just to clear clarify, like I feel the way I feel, but that the reason we bring these things up in this podcast is not so that people fall. You guys have to make come to your own conclusions. I'm just sparking a debate, right? Sure. I'm whoever's listening to this. I hope that you go back and 
look at the news and try to and look at it yourself and then come to your own conclusion. Nobody's right or wrong in this. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I'm just saying that I'm so sick of the media. And I'm going to tie all this into our topic for the day too. And I'm going to repeat this again later. I'm so sick of the media playing off scenarios that happen amongst the public and people and that's, all of us. That's going to continue to happen. They, but they, I'm, get paid, they get paid off a clicks. Right, but it bothers me. Like it, They're doing it. They're trying to pin all of us against each other. Then they throw it up on a big screen and then they put people into a fight and then they cause this big spark in this debate. But what's really the real news, what the real problem that's happening in America particularly is not being televised. Like the pedophile ring shit that's happening. Like the there's more kids being kidnapped and missing for the last 60 plus years than any other statistic right now when it comes to like the stats that they try to like, you know, how many murders, how many this, how many that. The number is the highest for kids missing in our country. Isn't that alarming? Isn't that something to talk about? Isn't that something to report on? Instead of reporting about these protesters that were exercising their right and walking by this house, not talking to those people or harming them in any way, and they draw their guns out and now everyone's like, we have to protect those people. I don't see that. I just, I don't see with it. And I'm sure you're going to play devil's advocate. And I'm sure people listening to me probably don't agree with me. That's fine. All I know is the media does not show us the full truth. No, and whenever I have an opinion, yeah. And that's I, intentional. Media, media companies at this time, this date and time, have become experts at manipulating facts, providing lack of context to facts, and bending information any way they, they take everything to. out of context. That's what I just said, yeah. And it causes confusion and chaos amongst each other of us. So you have all these people in power and the people who control the media and the banks and whatnot. They manipulate you and I into fighting one another. They want people to be divided. You have probably Democrats that were the protests and you have these Republican assholes in their lawn with their guns drawn out. That's what this is about at the end of the day. There's an election coming up. Yeah. And so I just want people to like look beyond things, please like dig deeper and try to read between what's really going on and don't jump to conclusions. I am in no way siding with the people that were protesting and I'm not siding with this guy, but I, if I were to pick and choose, I would choose the protesters. I would not choose that wife and husband. Sit in your own fucking home. Like, why are you coming out with your gun? No one came to your door. No one crossed into your lawn. No one drew their gun out at you. Nobody yelled and threatened you. They were walking by to the mayor's house. And then this guy, this attorney, has the audacity to go online and videotape and address and condone his own behavior. Just because he's a lawyer, that's not appropriate. Like, in my in my heart, just because you're a lawyer or have a law license, it doesn't give you... It doesn't, it doesn't take over your common sense. It shouldn't take over your heart. And it shouldn't overtake humanity. I feel like you should put your conscience and what's right first. And you should manipulate it towards the situation. Not every situation requires you to come outside of your house and have your guns drawn. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not appropriate. Um, where does a line end and begin where we can act like human beings with one another and towards each other instead of using the law and always being fearful Mm-hmm. and then causing drama like this for the media to take. So that's what I was peeved about. But go ahead. Be the devil's advocate. Oh, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I was just saying, if you, for people that do look at it from more of like a legal perspective, they came through private property, right? Protesting is allowed, but not on private property. I, th- I believe is how the law stands. So they broke a gate to get in to get to this mayor's house, right? So already they were crossing the threshold of what I thought the gate was allowed. open. No, there was, from. I mean... That from what I saw, there was a lock on it that was busted to get even get in the gate in the first place. 
Um, you may have to look that up. I saw that in one of the media things, but I don't trust a thing I see on the news, so I'm just putting that out there. Um, so anyway, they but that street is a private property street, whether there's a lock or not. So even if the gates open, that being that it's a private street, if you're looking at it from a legal perspective, people cannot come and protest on a private street. You can protest all you want and on public avenues, um, but pro- protesting on private streets actually crosses the threshold. But anyway, um, I don't agree at all with what ha- transpired for sure. You know, like even if that was the case, like why would it be necessary that you're coming out? They weren't nothing was happening that was threatening to anybody. You know, they were just coming. To I had no idea that felony charges were already filed against a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Six days ago. Yeah. It is illegal to wave weapons in a threatening manner, a prosecutor said. That was my whole point. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know the law in St. Louis when it comes to if the gate is open to private property. Um, in some states, you can walk through unless there's a sign. But if it's a common place like that, like it's a common, it was a gated community and the gate was open and the protesters were walking through, I don't know what the St. Louis law is for that or Missouri law for that. But if it's open and you can walk through and anybody can walk in and walk around when the gate is open, obviously not going onto someone's sidewalk and not going into someone's lawn, that's crossing property boundary lines. I understand that. But from from my perspective, my point was that it wasn't. I don't look at this about the law. I'm. Yeah, well, we're in agreement. We're both. We both have legal backgrounds. We, yeah. We, I'm the looking point at of the story. Is that I'm how, looking at how it from the situation a, was handled was not. Handled yeah. Directly. I'm looking at it from a conscious perspective, like just one human to another human. Sure. Can we not interact humanly? Mm-hmm. Like, why do we have to act barbaric? Why do we sit around acting that way? Like, I'm looking at this picture and it's pissing me off. Both of them. Like, her shirt's heinous. And he's like bent. I mean, come on. I can't even deal with it. That's and his gun is just obnoxious. I mean, are you kidding me? And they, the, from my understanding, the protesters were not waving any weapons. They were not even looking at them starting any trouble with this couple. So that's very one-sided. That's not appropriate. You're right. What, uh, you're absolutely correct. One thing you also have to take into account, though, is if you flash back to a week or two before when the protests were getting really bad, right? Like every city was stuff and all you see on the media is this, this terror that's happening in the streets and people vandalizing stuff. We did see a lot of videos of protesters that were not being peaceful and were actually severely harming people that were trying I to know, protect a guy property, co- breaking people's legs, an older cop got arms, shot, throwing them through yeah. windows. Like, there was people die like there yeah. was a lot of stuff that happened so i think part of this even though i don't agree with what occurred part of it was the another issue with the media is programming people with this state of fear that if you see a, a group of people coming to protest they could potentially kill you yeah. they could potentially harm you yeah so in, in these attorneys minds they could have been watching all this news and being like oh my god i'm so scared what are we going to do i gotta defend myself right now before anything even happens and it's like why would you do that i put myself the media's fault i'm easy in putting myself in people's situations and shoes i try all the time i try to see both sides of the coin and normally i do and if that valid with what point you just made was valid i put myself in that shoes where we live if that was happening in st louis and the protests were happening in front of my home right where we live just picture us there and there's protesters walking on the street not even looking in my direction or not even coming up on my sidewalk, I would not go grab my gun and stand outside and point it at them. Correct, but you're missing an important data point. You're putting yourself in their shoes from your point of experiences. They're putting their Brian, you and I were watching the news too. We know what was going on. Uh, No, you're you're not. Hold on a sec. 
Correct. We knew what was going on in that moment, but they have a lifetime of situations that have occurred to them and experiences that make a person act in a certain way. So when someone says, I'm putting myself in their shoes, you're putting yourself in their shoes for that exact point in time and context, but you don't know what that person's history is like and what they've encountered before. You're like, right. What, but let's take an example. What if that woman had been brutally assaulted at one point in her life and she has this crazy fear, right? Like that would maybe make sense from a psychological perspective as to why she reacts. I agree with that. I I get what you're saying. But then again, my point comes back to the same thing is why can't we grow and evolve and be humanly conscious towards one another? As a society, I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to relay is that it is up to you and I and the people listening to this podcast and other people that we live with or our friends and our family members, it's up to us as a society as whole to not become divided by the media or the police or the politicians or the government. We're supposed to stand together and we're supposed to stand united in things. We're not supposed to be pinned towards one another because of our past experiences. That's what I'm trying to say. And so I understand that him, the guy being in a legal field, he probably is around this negativity all the time, which doesn't help the situation, right? I, I know that feeling of when you're a lawyer all the time, you think, eat, breathe, and live the law. Like, that's just what you see. And so I understand that that's how he approached this. However, that nothing in our lives, our careers, the media, our past experience, or anything, should overpower our compassion or overpower our common sense or our heart for one another. Mm-hmm. And why? Why, in God's name, is it a white couple with guns and it was a bunch of African-American protesters? Why? Why is it that situation? Why is it that? It's literally exactly what the media was painting. Correct. Doesn't that seem that, odd? That's, that's why. That's your answer right there. It's exactly, it's a self Well, no, I'm not asking for an answer. I'm saying like oh. four people that might take the couple's side or might not see where I'm coming from. I'm trying to show you that it's all to divide and conquer. It's to, oh, it's a, it's it's a, to cause a bridge between white people and black people. It's a narrative that's it's, being painted and people are falling for. Left yeah. And it's like, dude, we're never going to evolve as a country or as people or a species or a race, if this is what we keep giving into and we blame it on our experiences or a traumatic event right. or we blame it on the media or we blame it on it's my law, lo- it's the right for me to do this. We got to get beyond that. Mm-hmm. And we have to evolve past that and show compassion. Different. I'm not saying had they stepped on their grass or had they waved something at them, um, a, a weapon at them or threatened them verbally, I full heart support it. But that didn't happen. And there's a lot of accounts for that, that that didn't happen. So that's where I'm coming from is that I just, I don't, it, it, it hurt me that this happened in St. Louis and it was upsetting because let's not forget St. Louis is kind of pinned in a very negative way because of the whole Ferguson situation. Okay. So where did the growth and evolve or evolution happen? It didn't happen. Where did St. Louis grow? Where did we show people or show America that we're better and stronger from what happened or we learned a lesson or well, we evolved? Let's also not forget to evolved. <laughs> whenever these types of negative situations happen, they become very pinpointed in a very specific area. It's a very small like area of something that happens and they blow it up and then it ruins the reputation of the whole surrounding area because of one event. That's what I'm trying right? to say, yeah. Correct. And so the, the, ish, the main issue is, and this goes back to the media, is that 
the media does not have a model where they want to promote positivity. They no. want to promote constant negativity and fear and killings and protests and anything they possibly can 99% of the time because that's what they've learned puts people in a state – well, this is their goal is not to put people in a state of fear. They get, that gets the clicks and the views, which generates the ad revenue. Right? And money. And, but from a higher level, pyramidal structure, the people that own these companies at the very top level – and there's, a, there's only a couple companies that own the majority of the media companies worldwide. There's, there's not a lot of people that actually do it. So they're bending information that they want to keep themselves in power. If you can keep people enough people oppressed, enough people fear, that's how the people at the top of the pyramid stay in power. It's a very simple model. It's the whole divide and conquer thing. Correct. Like- but the, um, the bigger issue is that the media is consistently painting these narratives and painting these pictures. And... It's basic like marketing visualization psychology that when people get hit over and over again from every angle, from what they're reading on social media to what they're watching on TV to what they're reading in a news article, and it's the same thing over and over again, most people begin to believe things, begin to believe it's real, right? And that's because when you get hit over the head with the same thing over and over and over again, even if it's untrue, people it begins to change their perception, right? And so it really is a difficult duty but an important one for us to all overcome that and understand that and become very objective when we're looking at information and try to connect the dots of what you like they're all they're going to report what they want you to hear you got to be able to objectively stand back and connect the dots and say what's really going on because trust I don't me, there's an agenda I, yeah, at all times yeah and like something I do to help myself is I don't watch the news and just listen I then I go on Instagram and then I find all those footage right of other people of other bystanders that were there I look at those videos I look at all the stuff that happened in context because now in the social media age everything's recorded mm-hmm. and guess what those protesters did record what was going on in reality and so all I'm saying is don't jump to conclusions and try to bring out a little bit of humanity in yourself before you do something so extreme because honestly not that anyone gives a flying shit about my opinion i think this couple looked ridiculous doing that i think that's sad i hope that i mean their kids should be embarrassed like it's just not that was not a nice thing to do wave a threatening weapon threatening weapon or weapons in front of people a group of people that's not doing anything to you that's not that's not fair um and knowing honestly i could flip this knowing in a time of protest and all this stuff happening and this racial divide that's going on i would have been so conscious of that I, I, I am conscious of it on the street when I'm walking around in a good way. And when I see someone helping somebody or I see two people getting along or I see two friends together, it's sad, but like I live in a world where like I notice it and it makes me happy. But that should be normal, okay? This divide that we have shouldn't happen. So I'm not, I'm, I'm disgusted by that. I think it's disgusting that that happened. And it's embarrassing that it happened in St. Louis. But I guess people will just be people and that's that. But now, here's another point to all this. We watched a movie, Parasite, on Amazon Prime because I think it was your sister and then one other person who um, recommended it to us. And it's a Korean movie, Mm -hmm. I think. All in Korean. Don't let that stop you. Um, It's all subtitles, but it's really easy to follow. Yeah, it's the subtitles. But what an impeccable movie with an incredible message. So if you guys get the chance, I'm not going to spoil it too much. I hope you watch it and I hope you pick up on well, like the stuff, but what is it about? We can share that with it's them. It's about like the like social dynamics of class, mm-hmm. of different classes. And they did a really good job. And I think it applies together. to every culture. It applies to Americans, Indians, Koreans. It applies to everybody around the world. Sure. Um, it just so happens to be a Korean movie with Korean people in it. But 
the way they portrayed the social classes and the divide and like the rich, the poor, the middle class, the super elite, and how that changes people's perception of life um, and their choices and their decision making. um, It's just really, it was really like sad to see because it was true Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, We we don't want to ruin it for anyone. So definitely watch that. Um, Oh, here's a, here's a uh, announcement. I wanted to see for those of you who follow us on Instagram, I am looking for experienced or inexperienced influencers to um, take some of our clothing pieces for by Dixon and post about them four to five times a week for two months. Um, It's a paid opportunity. It's commission based. I haven't decided any more than that, except I need it four to five times a week for two months and it'll be uh, based. You'll get an affiliate link and you'll get paid through that. Um, But, uh, I, I want to open this. I got a lot of questions about this and that's why I want to, I want to approach this. The reason I don't care if you're experienced or not in this, or if you have a huge, huge following or not in this is because when I was starting this and I was looking for girls to model the clothes, it was funny because I was talking to my mom and it's like, I'm, we're both new in this industry and we're starting somewhere. Right. And although we're creating our own opportunity, our own door, I do feel that a big part of By Dixon that's like in alignment with like our, our, our morals is to create doors and opportunities for people along the way. I don't want to wait. I don't have to wait till, you know, we make X amount of money or we're this big or we have this much of a following or we have this many clothes sold. I feel as though I can make that, take that action now. So that is why I'm not worried if you're not some huge influencer or if you're not experienced, it's not hard. It's really simple to do. Uh, I'm more than happy to teach it to you if someone's interested and doesn't know where to start. Um, and I also think it's a good way for new people who want to dabble in the industry to use this as like a path, as a door to try and start and just get their feet wet with it a little bit. So I want to give any and all women that opportunity and chance. Um, I do have an age thing on there between 20 and 35, but I'm not glued to that. You could be older, you could be younger, it doesn't matter. And you could look like anything, be like anything, I don't care. I will give anyone and everyone that opportunity. And there's no limit to how many girls I can take. So I'll take whoever applies at this point as um, that's my way of giving back right now. And that's my way of including people that it's not just solely about numbers and your following and your conversion rates. I think everybody starts somewhere. Um, Brian and I certainly started at zero, (laughs) you know, like it takes time to get there and everybody gets somewhere with a little bit of a helping hand. So please reach out to me at Nina at bydixon.com or DM me on Instagram if you or anybody you know is interested in um, making a little side cash, you know? It's an easy job. Um, All right. Now to the topic after my rant. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Well, Well, our rant actually plays very well into the topic, especially from the media perspective. So before I say what the topic's about... We all know how obsessed I am with Kanye, and I vocalize this very openly. I don't care what people think. I think the guy is a genius. I think he may have some issues that I don't know about or anybody knows about, but that doesn't make him less of a genius. I think he's a very good person from what I see. I've been following him for years when he had like a mixtape out. Like I forever have been a Kanye fan. Another reason I'm a Kanye fan is because I get it. He's a Gemini, and he's literally born on June 8th, just like myself. So him and I have the same birthday. And I've always thought that he was 
even when he was flashy and arrogant, I thought that he was just hilarious. I loved how confident he was. And when him and Kim started dating and got married, I was a big super fan. <laughs> like, I've loved it all the way through. Um, his recent little situation that he did online again goes to the media is that I feel as though the media took everything he said out of context and blown it out of proportion. I'm not here to have this argument again or say how I feel about what he said. But I just want people to understand one thing, and this is what I saw. He's just another human being in the public eye doing what he wants to do. He's always made very, very outlandish statements, right? Like, I'm in debt, $52 million in debt, I'll get out of it. He used to cockily say that, all, if that's even a word. He used to say that all the time. Hmm. Recently, he became a billionaire. He's not in debt anymore. Um, he used to talk about how he'll have like X amount of money or X amount of success on the billboards and the charts of the CDs. He's hit almost every goal that he has sp- spoken about. People made fun of him in the industry, in the designing industry and clothing industry and said, you're black, you'll never get in the clothing industry. There's no black designers. He does it. He gets in there and he also helps a fellow friend or cousin, I forget who it is, who's also black. And he helps that person become a big designer who did a collaboration with Louis Vuitton. This was about two, three years ago. So not only has he self-fulfilled his own destiny, exactly what he said is what happened. He also helped other people along the way. Like anybody in his family will tell you that people in his, around his group of people, if you notice, don't speak out against him because all he does is nice things for people all around him. He's a very generous person. He said, I'm going to have a church where I play music and I have lights that heal people and take them off antidepressants and sound therapy. Nobody supported him in that. Five years later, look at people from all over the world in the entertainment business go to his ceremonies on Sundays. So the guy is obviously onto something. Can you? Can we all just take a second and look at his actions and look at what he's done for himself and what he continues to do? And if he is battling some sort of mental issue, why are we hating him for that? Are you trying to tell me that everybody who's a, who has an opinion about him or is saying something negative about him doesn't have a mental issue or know somebody who has a mental issue? Why do we have not one ounce of sympathy or compassion for that guy? That even a lo- even though, even if he has a health issue, he's still up there and running and doing his thing instead of sitting at home and feeling sorry for himself or giving in to what's going on with his body. He's fighting it and he's fighting it brilliantly in my opinion. And so the p- topic for today is self-fulfilling prophecies are a real thing. And I recently saw an Instagram post before I even thought about doing this podcast. And I said, Brian, it was Aaron Doherty on Instagram, A-A-R-O-N underscore Doherty. And awesome guy to follow. And he wrote, he goes, if there's one thing I learned in, in 2020, it's that my whole life and the one to happen, like continuing on, is a self-fulfilling prophecy. He's like, it's an epiphany. He's like, anything that I have put my energy towards has happened. And anything that I put a limit on myself has happened too. And so his example was that when he was starting out in the influencer space and of consciousness and quotes and memes and all that stuff on his account, he has a huge following now. He said that he was shy and he was playing it really, really small. 
And he's like, I tried to be that person, that influencer on Instagram to attract people. So I was playing the part. I wouldn't grow out my beard. I'd always be cleanly shaven. I'd have the lighting to be perfect. I would try to put my best foot forward in front of the camera. He's like, and slowly, 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 it's been like five years that I've been doing this. And now he goes, because of COVID, he couldn't get a haircut. You know, certain things happened. He's like, I started like dumbing down my content, like not dumbing down, sorry minimizing his content because he's like I don't want to record looking like I haven't taken a shower you know like my hair's not right and my beard is growing out like but the thing is guess what all the millions of people that are following you are looking at your stuff not taking a shower exactly and so he's he's like so he's like I was like huh am I putting a limitation on myself I love doing this so what if my hair is long he said he struggled with it for a few weeks when COVID occurred that that shutdown happened and so he goes then I thought wait a minute if I can reach people cleanly shaven and all put together, I can reach people not cleanly shaven and put together. It's what I want. And so now if you look at his account, he's got this huge beard. He looks like a completely different person. But he's like, so now I'm here. And I still have the same conversion rates on everything. He's like, if anything, I have more because people are sitting at home on their you know, cell phones. He's like, and I feel like I'm my most authentic now. Well, that's the thing. It's the authenticity. It's funny because you sometimes get at me about this. And you're like, Brian, you shouldn't have posted that story because the stove isn't clean enough. Or so something. here's, and yeah, like, no, I admit. I, nobody's stove is clean I enough. totally admit that. I am, I am one for aesthetics to a certain point, <laughs> especially stories. Anyone can look at my feed and see that there's nothing. I'm not all about the feed at all. But my stories, I do try to do the best that I can with what's going on. So my mom, anybody who has a foreign mom, they're going to know this. My mom puts foil at the bottom of her really nice Viking stove. (laughs) Now listen, and I think that's just a Hoosier thing to do, right? But she does it because when you, her stove, the the Viking range on top is so deep inside that if something splashes or something, it immediately makes the stove dirty. And then you have to pick up the heavy grills and there's like six grills on there. You got to clean it up. So she puts foil so that it catches all the nastiness. And at the end of the day, she takes the foil and puts it on, puts the new one in. So yeah. the stove is always spotless. And so Brian... I'm making my tea the, let me yeah. go, I'm making my tea the other day and I'm taking a story just joking around like I always do when I'm making that fire chai. And uh, it has the tinfoil in the back. And then Nina later gets on me. She's like, why did you take that post? She goes, it has a tinfoil on there. That looks so <laughs> terrible. And I'm like, Nina it's 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 our life like be like let's be a little more authentic with what we're doing that's going to help people and she's like oh i don't like it this that i'm like fine i'm but i'm, but like, I'm not going to stop doing it but the funny part is someone is literally yeah. somebody messaged me and he's like i love the tinfoil that's such a genius idea i'm going to do that and steal that from you <laughs> yeah. and put it on my stove it makes it so much easier yeah. to clean i'm yeah. like Nina, just look at this yeah <laughs> and so like i and, and i agree with that like i admit that that i do do that sometimes or like one time recently he posted himself talking at our pool and the pool net that you clean the pool with was right behind Brian's head. And I'm like, dude, terrible backdrop. Like, I'm like at least have the, gives a turn shit. the camera and there's the, the forest and the trees, which looks nicer. But anywho, this is what the guy says. And he's like, everything is a self-fulfilling prophecy. For some reason that post hit me and I r- ran over to Brian. And I'm like, what does self-fulfilling prophecy mean to you? And I never heard this phrase before i don't know why and brian's like it means that like whatever story you tell yourself whatever you believe for yourself is like what continues to happen like and the point is that you create your own life regardless whether you like it or not and so i really really thought about that for a couple days and two things happened while i was thinking about this quote i liked it so much i wrote it down on on a notepad next to my bedstand and it's in my phone Two days go by and this Kim and Kanye thing happens. Um, I'm actually going to read the post because I saved it, I think. Um, 
Because okay. that's when Kanye... This is like yeah. Thing. This while I'm thinking about the self fulfilling thing, I see this happen. It's on Kim Kardashian's story, and she writes, "As many of you know, Kanye has bipolar disorder. Anyone who has this or has a loved one in their life who does knows how incredibly complicated and painful it is to understand." I've never spoken publicly about how this has affected us at home because I'm very protective of our children and Kanye's right to privacy when it comes to his health. But today, I feel like I should comment on it because of the stigma and misconception about mental health. Those that understand mental illness or even compulsive behavior know that the family is powerless unless the member is a minor. People who are unaware or far removed from this experience can be judgmental and not understand that the individual themselves have to engage in the process of getting help no matter how hard family and friends try. I understand that Kanye is subject to criticism because he is a public figure and his actions at times can cause strong opinions and emotions. He is a brilliant but complicated person who on the top of the pressures of being an artist and a black man who experienced the painful loss of his mother and has had to deal with the pressure and isolation that is heightened by his bipolar disorder. Those who are close with Kanye know his heart and understand his words sometimes do not align with his intentions. Living with bipolar disorder does not diminish or invalidate his dreams and his creative ideas, no matter how big or unobtainable they may feel to some. That is part of his genius, and as we have all witnessed, many of his big dreams have come true. We as a society talk about giving grace to the issue of mental health as a whole. However, we should also give it to the individuals who are living with it in times when they need it the most. I kindly ask that the media and public give us the compassion and empathy that is needed so that we can get through this. Thank you for those who have expressed concern for Kanye's well-being and for your understanding with love and gratitude, Kim Kardashian West. Oh man, that wasn't written by her PR agent. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is, since this whole freaking world is brainwashed anyway, is that that second story of hers is... Living with bipolar disorder does not diminish or invalidate his dreams and his creative ideas, no matter how big or small or unobtainable they may feel to some. That is part of his genius. And as we have all witnessed, many of his big dreams have come true. That to me, in words describing self-fulfilling prophecy. And I looked at that and I read it again and again, and then I took a screenshot of it. And I was like, oh shit, that's why I like him so much because he's so outlandish with his things. Like, his dreams are so big that when he talks in all his interviews from like 1990 and to this day that I'm like, I love it. And that's how I feel as, as a as a Gemini, I relate with him or as another human being, I relate with him. Even when he had an interview, his my favorite interview of his is with David Letterman on Netflix. If you guys haven't seen it, please watch it. I've seen it like a hundred times. Um, or his interview on YouTube I forget who's interviewing him. He's talking about the farm, the self-sustaining cotton farm, the farm that he wants for clothing in Wyoming, I believe it is. He has all these outlandish dreams and they're so big, but not one dream is bad for anybody. Everything he does is like very helpful to humanity and to people in a lot of ways. A lot of the things that he's working on is good for people. And so her paragraph on that almost was like, huh, so... He's living his life as a self-fulfilling prophecy. He doesn't care that he has bipolar disorder or whatever it is. He, he doesn't let that stop him. He also doesn't let people's opinions stop him. He continues to be outlandish and continues to make those things come true for himself and his family and all the people that he affects in a good way by his good actions. And so, and I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. I got a better understanding of it. And then literally the next day, I'm looking through the bookshelf in my mom's house and I see a an older book and it's called The Attractor Factor and I've heard of it and I'm like huh I don't know why out of all the books there I was really drawn to this one for some reason and so 
I pick it up. I read it within 24 hours, finished it, which is rare for me these days because I'm always on social media and my attention span sucks, but that's a different story. I finished it in a day. I was, and then I went back and highlighted and underlined things that I want to remember in the book. And then I wrote on the inside flap of it, things that like were my self-fulfilling prophecy. And then on the back of it, I put it in descriptions and put out what he told me to do in the book that for 20 minutes a day, feel these feelings for this thing for 30 days. And so I did all that. Very sounds very similar to like the Dispenza stuff I've been doing. Yeah, except you know what? The difference between Dispenza and I love Dispenza too and this book is that I felt this book was very simple and to the point. It didn't get into the scientifics or the energy fields and all that. It was, all, it was more layman's terms. Yeah, all it said was, believe if you believe it it'll happen for you and here's what you got to do because it worked for me you know like and then he had a bunch of testimonials in there and so I don't know what it was about this one it was just very easy for me to grasp and so simple and straightforward like the five steps are so easy and I'll get get into them later but I'm reading this book and lo and behold in one section of the book he too says your life is a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. and he goes if you the quicker you learn that the better your life will be He's like, many of us don't realize it till later on in life. And even then, we blame ourselves for having the wrong choices, for not spending enough time with family or all these deathbed regrets that we have. He's like, we still on our deathbed don't realize, but we had a choice this whole time. Even today on our deathbed, we have a choice to look at everything as a great thing or have regrets. Mm-hmm. Everything's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Every moment of your life is. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a theme. Like, this is great. So then I started taking notes and, and putting this podcast together for this week and, you know, trying to understand it more, trying to apply it in my own life more. So for the last week, I've been doing this 20-minute meditation um, for this goal that I want to hit and detach. Obviously, I'm detached from it and I'm just kind of like following him. And every morning and every evening, I go back and read my notes that I took in the book to help me like stay in that zone and I do the 20 minute meditation I feel the feelings I think about those things and the funny part is that this book was able to make me have fun doing the meditation and look forward to them and reading the book again as opposed to worrying about if this is going to happen in 30 days when is it going to happen how is it going to happen I'm so removed from that and I feel as though nobody except maybe the secret the book secret by Rhonda Byrne has been able to put me in that I think the two biggest challenges that people have with attracting things into their life is what you just mentioned, the if and the when. So they say, if this is going to happen, as if it's not. Because the second you start thinking it's not, you will create that self-fulfilling prophecy that it may not happen. Yeah. Um, and the when, I think, is even bigger. People create too many expectations on their own ego-based timeline in their life, saying they have to have something by this age or they have to have it on this timeline. And that prevents you from getting things faster. What I've learned is that if you just completely throw out what it is that you desire, but you remove the timeline altogether, it will eventually happen, regardless, 100% in my experience. But it never will happen on your timeline. It may even happen faster than what your timeline was. But once you associate a timeline with it, it creates some type of strange energetic restriction that I can't explain that once you do it, it's like this ego is attached to it. Now you have an expectation of it happening. And once you create the expectation, it diminishes the opportunity for it to happen. I agree. And another thing that people have a difficult time with in meditations or 
in manifesting or creating their life, manifesting in self is the same thing, um, is they don't, they have a difficult, because they have so many doubts and fears, they have a difficult time feeling the feelings of what they're trying to bring into their life. So for a very simple example, if I want a black Rolls Royce Wraith with rose gold trim, then every time I get in that car, in my um, car that I have now, I should be able to get in there and feel the feelings of like the smell of a new car, the Rolls Royce emblem on my steering wheel, the rose gold trim handle on the door. And then when I'm on the highway listening to music, I should just see myself in it, you know, and just like live it, live it, live it. When you do that and you bring feelings into things that you have, I think that's like the fun part. And I'm, it took me a long time, a long time actually, to be able to feel feelings for things. I feel like you're very good at that. You're a cancer and you guys are very emotional and can feel the feelings of things quicker. I'm very cerebral. So my mind is looking for logic everywhere. My mind is like looking for this could happen 10 different ways. Which way is it going to happen? It could happen on 10 timelines. I want it to happen on this time. It's like a very analytical mind that I have, but I am trying to train my mind now. Like this is probably one of my biggest everyday things that I work on for the last several years is I try to be more focused on one thing at a time and I try to feel the feelings of that thing. There, I think that for people that have analytical minds like yourself, um, easier opportunities flow to you that just seem like, wow, how did this just fall into my lap? When you can try to spend more time throughout your day in your creative mind than you are in your analytical mind. 100%. I mean, if I look back at the times which this book made me think about when I did attract things out of thin air. And I'll take you for an example, since you know that story so well. In 2016, I literally was so, it was a one track mind. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about my career. I didn't care about dating. I didn't care about boys. I didn't care about bars and clubs. I simply focused on, I want my highest and best like life partner in life now. And I have, I do not want to screw around and like entertain anybody else in this world. I'm done. And dude, less than three months. And all I did was meditate in the morning, in the evening, in the morning, in the evening. Throughout the day, I would just vision it. It was a tall, dark, handsome guy. He was really tall. He had black hair. He has green or brown eyes. I didn't, it was one or the other. It was just like this whole thing. I didn't really know. Got the eyes, it turns out I got both of them. No, I had no idea. For anybody that doesn't know, yeah. my eyes changed colors from green to brown. I had no idea that it was going to be somebody that I already knew. But... It was just so, oh, and I always thought he was going to be in business. He's not going to be a lawyer. It's funny because Brian never practiced law. It's just like all these things that I had and it just appeared because I became so happy and obsessed with daydreaming about it that I didn't care. Like the time went by on its own. I lived for waking up and dreaming this thing. I used to watch, this is so embarrassing to to admit, but I feel like younger girls are going to understand. I used to watch the Jesse James Decker and Eric Decker reality show on E! It was like saved. It was like T-Vote on my TV in Philly. And I would watch it all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. That show. And I'd watch Kim, Don't Be Tardy. And I'd watch their marriage all the time, all the time. So so let's do a caveat here because this is so funny because Nina gets so 
pissed when I want to watch a movie for like a second time or a third time because I really enjoyed it. And she's like, why? We've already watched that. And then she'll take like one or two reality shows and watch them a hundred times in yeah, a row. Yeah, like, I will. Nina. Like, Nina, just remember, Jesse and James, Dopey Tony, yeah. let's watch this I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't watch The Housewives. That's too dramatic. It's too negative for me. But Just Don't sucks. Be Tardy and you like Don't Be Tardy. No, no, no. The Housewives. Oh, the housewives yeah. Any, any housewife show is just drama. It's terrible. Yeah, it's so negative. It makes me like anxious and like, ugh. but Don't Be Tardy and the Jesse Decker show that she had for like two or three seasons. I just used to fantasize about those relationships and those marriages that they had. And I was like, I want my fairy tale. And I lived it and breathed it for two or three months. And out of thin air, Brian emailed me on my work email because he was blocked everywhere else. So just think about it. The universe figures out a way. If I sat there and said, I'll never meet somebody because at the time I stopped going to bars and stopped dating. Like I just cut stone cold, took time for myself. Well, according to the world or a matchmaker, it's like Nina, not you can't action. find. Yeah, you're not taking action to do. Something. You'll never find somebody, Nina, if you just lock yourself in your apartment. Nina, like, you this, you know, like, and I'm like, mm. all I did was focus on myself and gave myself everything I wanted. And if I didn't want it, I didn't do it. It's like the art of calculated inaction. Yeah. With the right mindset, I actually agree. creates the action that you wanted in the first place. I agree. There is no set rule or law of how something is going to come about. You could be in a box for all I care. You can attract something for yourself if you want it bad enough. And that's what I... I give another side note about, and I may have talked about this before, about an example of that. Go ahead. Of like the inaction. So I was in China. I was in Hong Kong, actually, with a friend of mine. Great place to be. Do you want to go back there right now? Um, And we were looking for somebody that set up a meeting that we were trying to go to. And Hong Kong is super like close quarters, very dense with the amount of people. There's millions and millions of people. There's like 10 million people or something that lives in Hong Kong. And... Um, we are looking for somebody that set up a meeting for us to meet with a specific person in the Hong Kong government. And we couldn't find him. We were like trying to text him and call him and get a hold of him, and he wasn't responding. And we had the meeting the next morning, and we're just like, you know what? If uh, I'm sure everything's fine. We know where the meeting's at. Uh, if we can't get a hold of him tonight to go to dinner with him and see him and, and talk about everything beforehand, no big deal. And like the second that we quit contacting him, and then quit reaching out to him. Because we call, we, we tried to get a hold of him probably like an hour, hour and a half. And uh, then we're just like, you know, no big deal. We'll see him in the morning, right? We just let it go. 15, 20 minutes later, we're walking down the street on our way to dinner. Somebody backs up out of like a 7-Eleven type convenient mart with a soda in their hand and a bag of chips. Backs up out of the store, like pushing the door out. Walks backwards and runs into us, like legitimately doesn't see us, backs up directly into us on the sidewalk of a city with 10 plus million people or 8 million, whatever it is. And is it a big, billion? No, a million. Oh. million. And a Hong Kong million. Oh. Um, and then backs up into us and we're like, we almost get knocked off the sidewalk, right? And we turn around and it's, and it's the guy. It's, the, it's, yeah. the, it's our buddy that we're trying to get a hold of. And we both look at each other and we're like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. So just another perfect example of like, Put your energy towards what you want and then relax and let it happen. And I know like we, we harp on this this particular part of this podcast all the time. And, and no, I'm, I did not think that was a coincidence. No, and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying that um, I'm not saying that we're perfect at it or that I know how to do this because there is a lot of work left in my life. But what I noticed with reading this book and reading about Kanye is that certain areas of my life, I'm really good at manifesting what I want. Why is that? So I started like self-reflecting on this. And then there are certain areas that you're not. And Correct. I'll, I'll talk about why I think that is afterwards. Correct. And so I looked back and I thought like when I was at my absolute like 
in my head, I'm like, the buck stops here. And this is what I want for my life. End of story. Very Harry Truman of you. Like I got to that point in life where I was just like this. I'm going to I'm going to get this by hook or by crook. Like that's the mentality I had because I was just so sick of the monotonous or the routine or the repeated lessons that I was going through. And I made a concrete decision. I will never miss a meditation. I will feel the feelings as much as I can. I will have fun and I will watch all the romantic stuff and happy couples that I possibly can. And because they're movies, I go to a reality show because it's real, right? I told myself that, even though I know reality shows are scripted a lot of times. I told myself that. So that is my self-fulfilling prophecy. And I knew something in my heart pushed me every day that I absolutely knew that I did not have to go on a dating app. I didn't have to go to bars and meet people drunk and sloshed. I didn't have to put myself out there anymore. I don't have to do that to attract the right person. So there's a person or a girl who's going out there all the time looking for people, thinking that's the only way she can meet people. But then there was me who said, I don't need to do that anymore. I've been there and done that. I'm at a different point in my life. I'm just going to focus on living in my la-la land is literally how I was seeing it at the time and I channeled my energy in work although I didn't care about it channeled my energy towards my career my workout my routines and I used to look forward to watching those shows on repeat all the freaking time I didn't care what anybody else thought and look what happened and so today fast forward now years later I was like why is there certain things that are not happening quick enough for me or like you know and that's where I got my answer is that one sometimes our life turns out the way that it does because we're trying to juggle or focus emotionally on too many things at once. And at first I was down about that for a second, but then I was like, wait a second, but if I can compartmentalize, because that's just how my mind is working, right? If I can compartmentalize and focus on one thing at a time for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days like I did before, then I'm able to channel a lot of feelings into this. Then I thought, not everybody's like me. There are people who can feel the feelings of 10 different things in their life, their love life, their marriage, their career, their this and that, because that's how their brain works. And they can feel the feelings of everything simultaneously. So I almost got like a missing piece to my puzzle that, and I don't know why I resonate with Kanye, that even though his health may be off or his marriage may be off or something's off, it's like he still manifests the main dreams that mean the most to him. You go for whatever means the most to you. I think at, at that time and that consistently changes. So I took a new approach. I also think, and this could be what means the most too. I think that there's um, two other important points real quickly. One is you manifest easier what your heart actually desires, Correct. right? Intuitively what you know you want to do. You may logically think you want to do something else and you may push yourself towards that for a long period of time. And it may have some event that happens that realizes this is not really what I want, but you couldn't internal internalize that and say, Oh yeah, why didn't I think about this before? I actually really want this. Mm -hmm. And then you then you go that direction, it happens real fast. Mm -hmm. And another thing that you mentioned is um, a challenge that you have is you'll be going towards something and you'll start questioning and becoming analytical around why is this not happening, right? The second I think somebody starts doing that, it creates doubt, which is the opposite of faith. Mm -hmm. And so you actually shift in your mindset and now you're thinking, why not? As opposed to, yes, this is happening mm -hmm. or yes, this has happened. Yeah. And so... It just takes a lot of practice, I think, at the end of the day. But how does it work? It's whatever you really believe. You don't have to force it. You're going to come to that conclusion next year, the year after, or tomorrow. We don't know. So for me, I'm working on two things, three things actually, but the third one's very small. See right there. 
in my mind, my self-fulfilling prophecy, two of the things are hard and one thing is easy for me to manifest. So I've been feeling the feelings and putting it towards there. And I felt that if I focused the 20 minutes in the morning on the monetary business side of things, that's easy for me to do. In the evening, if I focused on me and my mind and body and health and all that, that's I can feel those feelings. I don't have to mush them all in one meditation or one session. That That's where I found my easier path for myself, so to speak. But the point of all this is that if you can look at every moment of your life with like, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, and I'm talking like every moment. Say, Brian and I were walking the other day and he was holding Onyx and he goes, great, now my hands are going to start, my arms are going to start itching and they're going to get all itchy from her because his hands get allergic to Onyx sometimes. And it was right around the time that I read the book and I turned around and I was like, well, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're going to say that it's going to happen, then it's definitely going to happen. And he's like, well, no, it happens to me. I'm like, but if you say that, it's definitely going to happen. Why don't you say it's not going to happen this time? That's nothing to say against Brian. I'm just saying like that's how aware we should be mm-hmm. about the things that we say, even in passing. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. Words have a lot of power, and I don't think people realize, realize that, it. But words themselves, like you can mentally be thinking something, mm-hmm. and that carries an energy to it. Mm-hmm. You can vocalize something, whether it be congruent or not congruent with what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. That creates an energy signature as well, right? That's why it's really hard to like, talk bad about somebody when you're super happy, right? True. Like, why would you? Like, it's like it's counterintuitive to each other. It's also very difficult if you're super upset to think really happy about yeah. something, right? Like it's, but but if you can think really good about something and speak really good about something, you're amplifying that right. scenario. Um, I just thought I was thinking about something and I lost my train of thought. Oh, about two months ago, I, no, exactly two months ago, I was just like, I'm not taking Zyrtec anymore. I'm so sick. I'm not taking allergy medicine anymore. I have no allergies. I have no sinus problems. I'm over it. Because as you guys know, anyone listening, like from January on, I've just like been all over the place. And um, I'm like, I'm not taking I'm not taking it anymore. I'm done. I'm not taking Zyrtec every day. This is annoying. In 2018, for about six or seven months, I, during the summer months, stayed off of Zyrtec and any and all allergy medicine. And all I did was juice. I drank all fresh juices all day, every day. And then it kind of like came back somehow when I stopped doing that. And I was like, nope, juice or no juice, I don't have allergies and sinuses. And I literally every single morning, every single evening, sometimes throughout the day, three times every time I used to say it. And I used to do this little prayer to Archangel Raphael, who's like the angel of health. And I used to say, thank you for taking away. First, I used to say, take away my allergies and sinuses forever. And every day I used to say it and not take Zyrtec. I would say it and not take Zyrtec. And next thing you know, we come to Pennsylvania where my allergies as a kid began and I, you're allergic to this tree and this tree and this tree and this grass and this blade of grass over here and this flower over here. They all grow in Pennsylvania. It's like programmed, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to bring Zyrtec with me. I don't have allergies and sinuses. And I've been here for two weeks, not one issue. And I still haven't taken any allergy medicine. And I still do my prayers like several times a day. Like I just say it. I'm like, I don't have allergies and sinuses. They're gone. They're gone. Thank you so much. They're gone. And in my head, I'd say it all the freaking time to a point where like I was thinking today in the shower, I'm like, so self-fulfilling prophecy podcast today. I don't think I have to pray for that anymore. I think they're gone forever. No, they are gone forever. There's no doubt in my mind. And so I feel like once you keep doing it and you're like on autopilot with this, I think life becomes one big fat miracle. 
And that's exactly what the attractor factor says. The guy, John or Joe Vitale is the author. And he goes, literally people around me tell me all the time, like, Joe, how do you, like your life is just a miracle. You just track things all by yourself with like such finesse. Like everything's a miracle for you. You want something, you get it. You want to speak with somebody, somehow they email you. He's like, you want to sell something, you put it online, you sell it like so much of it. He's like, everything just happens for you. And he said, it's because I live by the motto of, When I desire something in that moment, it could be a cupcake, it could be a cup of coffee, it could be a million dollars. I have such conviction behind my desire that I see it as an intention into the universe. Like, I want that. And he's like, and then I let it go and I go on with my day and then it just randomly appears. He's like, it takes days, sometimes hours, sometimes weeks, sometimes a month or two. No more than that. He's like, it's so easy for me. He's like, but it took me 15 years to learn this. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, the next paragraph goes, he's like, if you think it's going to take you 15 years, then it will. But if you think you can read this book and do an exercise and do something within 30 days, that'll work for you too. It all depends on what you believe inside. It's a great, it's a Henry Ford quote. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. That's 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 another like self-fulfilling prophecy quote right there. So I just felt as though we talk about manifesting and attracting and all this stuff. It's like this could be another way somebody could possibly understand that even when I and then he, you know what he to go back a little bit. He even talked about why do we attract bad situations for us? And this is kind of this is tough for me to explain, but I'll try to explain the best that I can. I didn't have the best day yesterday in reality, but at nighttime. Typical Nina to be self-reflective and aware and overthink everything. I'm like, why did I attract that? I'm like doing so well in all areas of my life. Like, why did I attract that altercation? And I thought, I'm like, well, first I'm going to accept the fact that I did somehow attract that. Mm -hmm. And then I stayed up till one o'clock in my mom's room just talking to her about it. And it was more her talking, me listening. And she was explaining to me how certain scenarios and things that have happened to her in her life and us as a family, how she sees not that she was showing me, she was telling me what she sees it as. And I started to notice a pattern that every bad quote unquote situation, she saw it as a good way. She literally thinks and feels and believes all those things that I think are bad or sad as positive. And in her mind, it's so crazy because my mom's a very calm, very centered, very even keeled human being. But she literally got up from the bed and she goes, Nina, I have zero doubts about you and your brother and myself. She goes, zero doubts. She goes, you have no idea the future that I know is uh, yours and mine. She goes, you just don't understand. And I was like, well, mom, like my mom is passionate, but she's quiet passionate. She's not like loud passionate. And it's like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, okay. But in my head, I'm thinking, I should be learn. I should learn from her and see the situation as not good or bad, but as like a learn there's something to learn here and then step back and be objective about it. Don't be so caught up in what happened, but get out of my own self and my own emotions and kind of look at it from the bird's eye view, which trust me, took me all day to get there. Okay. It was like one AM by the time I was comfortable again. And I thought I'm like, wow. And there were some decisions that I well, there were some things that I thought I wanted and I would tell Brian all the time and I would like pressure him on it all the time and I'd put pressure on myself. And it's weird because last night I'm like, I don't want that anymore. 
there were some epiphanies that came out yeah, of this. You're revolving. Yeah, there were some altercations that I had yesterday with a specific person, and I just realized that there are things that I was decisions that I was trying to make based on something that now this person, this the situation I got myself into, showed me it's not what I want. It's I wanted, I thought I wanted them, but I don't, you know. And then also something else I realized is that so my health is getting better and better every single day, but. I'm not 100% there yet. And so I was upstairs and my parents have a Buddha room as well. I was upstairs in the Buddha room and I was just hanging out. And I was like, you know, I've only been here for two weeks. This is me thinking by myself. I felt like shit in St. Louis and I, I was in the Buddha room all the time meditating. And I, today I feel the same here. Obviously a lot of it was stress from my altercation earlier. And I'm like, I feel the same here. And then I got another epiphany and I'm like, yo, get it together, Nina. This is no matter where you go, there you are. Like, I can't run from myself. I can't run from my emotions. I have to face things and see the good in everything and then be brave enough to say, I thought I wanted that, but I don't anymore. And then create from that point forward. Mm -hmm. So funny because I woke up this morning and I'm like, Brian, I want two mansions and this is where I want them. And it's complete opposite of what I said to him two weeks ago. You know, like I'm now I'm recreating from something the universe was so kind enough to show me, like, hey, don't make a mistake. Are you sure you want this? Like, it showed me. And now I feel gratitude and thankful for what I saw or for what I experienced. And I also feel as though, because I do have good intentions all the time, the universe protected me. But I had to be aware and self-reflective enough to think about that situation in a way to learn from it and not blame that person or that scenario or be, oh, that's not going to happen. What am I going to do now? Like, no. Now I'm rerouting my mind and my emotions towards what I do want. And so... Something I think that could be helpful for people in terms of understanding what you're saying and understanding like their emotions in mm-hmm. these scenarios. And I, it, I didn't become aware of this more seriously and probably until recently okay is if people study astrology a little bit and understand the movement of like the moon specifically yeah and i know different things affect people differently um i never really read much into this i had a very basic understanding but i will say you know recently i've been trying to pay more attention to it and, and research and understand like the movement of the planets and the movement of the moon and it changes people's behavior if you really look at like if you if you reflect back and think I did this at this period of time or I did this in this period of time and see like where was it a full moon was it you know, something like that? like wh- how were the planets assembled at that time and this is very common in like Eastern philosophy right but I never paid it really much mind my whole life and I started looking at like times where I would be like highly energetically charged throughout the day right usually around full moons. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Every month I have like a couple days and I'm like super energy, don't need any type of like tea or anything. And I feel great all day long and I'm crystal clear. Why does that always happen around the exact same time every month? Well, the, the one common denominator I could find was that it was a right around a couple days before, a couple days after and during a full moon, right? Like I wouldn't even need as much sleep at night. That was kind of interesting. Or like other things where I may be not feeling, I may be feeling like mentally drained or down a little bit, right? And you pay attention to like, well, there's a corresponding planetary alignment or moon alignment or something like that. 
And as I began to pay attention to it more, I started thinking like, wow, maybe this is something that I need to track a little bit better because I can then predict better how I may feel at certain times. Now it's a double-edged sword because if I'm thinking that way already, does that create a self-fulfilling prophecy? Um, alternatively, <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, alter- alternatively, if I'm reflecting backwards on it and I'm, and I'm looking at things that have already happened, I'm not creating a self-fulfilling prophecy on things that have already occurred, mm-hmm. right? And, and looking back on it, I can definitely say that behavior in myself and behavior that I've seen in others changes around certain times of the month when the moon is at a certain point and the planets are aligned in certain ways. So I talked to my mom about this before and she, there was something. So in India, they're very big on this, on astrology. They have like a, you know, they have like a holy day or some sort of like, um, what are they called? Holiday, like every week. And they're all congruent with astrology there's a full moon there's a waning moon today there's a half moon today there's an eclipse today there's this today it's like constantly it's all aligned with that every year and my mom was doing something recently and I said mom I can't do that yeah she was fasting for for um something it was a, was a new moon no it was a new no, moon, new moon you're right. yeah, new moon. and I go mom I can't do that because I'm taking this medicine that I have to eat food with and she's like it doesn't matter she goes you have to do what you have to do. She's like, just because you don't fast with the new moon doesn't mean that your intentions or your things that you're wanting around you in your life or how you want to feel won't come true. Sure. I think she, the reason why people fast sometimes during that is because it allows you to feel more connected with your intentions. She said that when you think about food, it should remind you of why and to be more aware of your intentions throughout the day. It's a reminder, mm-hmm. basically. And so she's like, it doesn't matter. So I'm like, then why do people do it? She goes, because it helps. It can help you, ground you throughout the day when you're like, oh, I want a yogurt or I want a coffee. And you stop to think and then you realize, oh, today's the new moon. I'm fasting. Why am I fasting? Calm yourself, like center yourself and think about the intentions you want to put in the universe. That's why. It's a tool. She said there's no thing in the universe or in a textbook that says that if you don't do something like that, that it's going to change. So then she went on to explain to me that people are affected by the energies of our planets and our stars and our um, earth and everything and the sun and the moon and how they're behaving, it affects us. She goes, but again, she goes, people who don't pay attention to that aren't affected all the time by it. You know, she goes, if you know something, you can control it and take it the way you want to. If you don't know something, a lot of people don't know what's going on then either. So in a way, that too is a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you like astrology and you're aware of it, or you need a little bit of help in your life, then you can follow it as a tool to help you. But ultimately, you don't have to follow anything except what you believe in your own heart to be true and what you're going after with strict, non-doubtful intentions that you put out in the universe. And you don't give a shit about when it comes true. You don't even care how it comes true. Mm -hmm. You're just so focused on feeling the feelings of that perfect car that you want, that mansion you want, that man that you want, the career that you want. You feel it in such a way that it makes you feel good because ultimately, why do you want the things that you want? You think they're going to make you feel good. You think it's going to feel good to be debt free. You think you're going to feel good in a nicer car. You think it's going to feel nicer to be in a comfier seat. You think it's going to feel nicer to have a bigger house, to have nicer parties with your friends and family and laugh and play and sing and dance, whatever. Like that's why we want things. So the fastest, quickest way is to understand that every little thing we put onto the universe is coming back to us, is coming back to us. And that's not, I understand for people listening is not easy, but like the more I'm trying to practice myself, the more I realize like even when I'm walking outside or 
I see something that I don't like or whatever, I flip it in my head or I take my attention away from it, you know? Or I see like if something's feel, making me feel some way and I'm like, this is making me feel this way, but I choose to feel this way. And then like by the end of the day, it's gone. Like I, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I feel the way that I wanted to feel, happy and lighthearted, mm-hmm. you know? So you just have to do it and then let go. Do it and then let go. And then life is just this like easy little mir- miraculous little path, you know? And what I like to do along the way, like I mentioned in last week's episode, is use like signs, like universe, just show me a sign I'm on the right path. And although that creates a little bit of doubt, I use it as a tool to tell me I'm closer, I'm closer, I'm closer, I'm closer. And that's a pink flamingo. Like if I'm looking for a deal or a contract or I'm looking for an answer to something, I'll just say, show me a pink flamingo. I'm almost there. Show me a pink flamingo. It's going to be fine. Yesterday you said a red or green dragon. So according to my, because I could never taint my little pink flamingo with such (laughs) nastiness. Um, I was driving to Best Buy with Brian and I'm like, you know, and there's a decision I have to make. And I'm like, if I have to do this, it's going to be a red dragon that just shows up. And if I do that, if I, if if the universe wants me to go here, it'll show me a green dragon. So I haven't seen any dragons yet. It's been about 24 hours, Mm -hmm. but I know I'm not looking for it. I know it'll show up to me in some random way and I will follow it. I will have, I have had no, since I did the pink flamingo thing, I've had no doubts. And even though most of the pink flamingo stuff hasn't manifested yet, it's only affirmed my affirmation about something. This dragon one, I'm actually saying like, if it's red, I'm going to do this. If it's green, I'm going to do this. So this is new for me, but I know it's going to show up right when I'm supposed to see it and know it. And there will be no harm. I'll be safe. I'll be protected and it'll be the right thing to do and I will do it happily. So I think those things like that help us on our path to learning how to create the life that we want. Um, It works for me. If you think it'll work for you, it will, you know, maybe you could find something else. Or maybe you feel like it's working for Nina. I want to use a pink flamingo. Then do that. Don't fight it. Just follow what you're being nudged towards to continuously. I feel what do you, that's a unicorn. (laughs) Brian's looking at a shower cap sitting on this table right here. And for a second, I'm like, is that a dragon? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's, that's an important thing. And that's, I mean, other people besides Kanye West, in case you have any Kanye West haters out there, what do you think Elon Musk is doing? What do you think Jeff Bezos is doing? What do you think Bill Gates is doing? These are all people who are examples Jeff, of self-fulfilling prophecies. Jeff Bezos is an interesting example that's very counterintuitive how, of how a lot of entrepreneurs operate. I think we talked about this the other day is a lot of entrepreneurs are like, I got to get up early. I got to work all day long and then I got to go to sleep, you know, and like get up and you do it again the next day. They're very much like maximizing time and operational efficiency, which is Jeff Bezos does do that. But I think it's interesting to study morning routines of people and how that affects their life and their success in life. And a lot of very successful people get up at like 5 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. And it's like they get their day started, they do their thing. Well, Jeff Bezos, at least what we're told in the media, I don't believe this, is the richest person on the planet, right? And his morning routine is very relaxed compared to most other successful people. And he gets up at like 7 a.m. He just kind of like eases his way into it, spends some time with his family, you know, then gets to work. But he's not like in some rush to get up and work out in the morning and do all these things. Like he, it's, it's very different than almost most people that I've read about, right? And yet he's accumulated more success than basically anybody. In and, terms in terms of financial and the success point is, and business growth success. The not, point, that's, that's the only one I'm referring to. The point is that... <laughs> 
just if you don't want to get up at 5 a.m. to be successful, make a billion dollars, you don't have to. But I also think there's a manifestation point of that, too, is that he's taking a relaxed approach. Because he believes that's what's working for him. Correct. Then there's people who are just lazy as shit, but subconsciously they're like, well, I can't get up at 5 a.m., so I'd rather not get up at 5 a.m., and I don't care if I'm just going to make 100000 a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then that's your self-fulfilling prophecy, buddy. But if you say, I can get up at 9, 10, 11 a.m., whatever, and get more work done in four hours than in 10 hours, and I will be a billionaire, that's what's going to happen for you. So he believes for him he is operating the best and he feels the best on this current schedule of his. Mm-hmm. Do I think that he just landed at this schedule and always did this, did life this way? No. I'm sure when he started Amazon, he was working like a dog. But again, he thought that he needed to, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm learning that literally every area of your life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't have to listen to me or Brian or anybody for that matter. You can create your own path out of thin air. Mm-hmm. You can, whatever you believe can happen for you. That's There's a story about the guy who made the GoPro. Yeah. Um it's an interesting story. I actually heard it on the Kim and Crow podcast, our House of Kim. And he, his parents were pissed off at him. He was like a bum. He didn't want to finish school. He didn't want to do anything. Wasn't finding a job, couch surfing with them. And he was really, really like passionate about surfing though. I think he lived in California. I'm not sure. And he would just surf for hours and hours and hours with his friends. His parents were pissed at him. One day while he's surfing, he randomly has this idea about like videotaping these things like when you're surfing out there how do you do that and he invented the gopro do you know how well he does now like the guy didn't go out and slave away and save up money to start his own company and then go to venture capitalists and make it happen like how everybody thinks look how he did that like you know he didn't like go get a job just to appease his parents for three years and then you know then figure out the idea he went his own path his own way and he didn't give in to anyone that was opposing him or resisting him on that. And I think that's like the biggest lesson that whatever you feel and think, that's what's right for you. You just have to be aware enough and self-aware enough to see where you think you put your limitations and restrictions. I came to Pennsylvania to spend more time with my mom and to feel better and heal better. That was a limitation. Why do I think that I can't just be the same and get even 10 times better right where I was? So like now it's making me rethink all these things and now I'm like, okay, so I can recreate what I want in my own self-fulfilling prophecy and whatever I've created up to this point, I did create and attract myself. So on some level, I am responsible for that, but that means I'm also responsible for what comes next and now I can manipulate my future the way that I'd like to. That's the whole point of this. Mm -hmm. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I did. (laughs) Brian's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I got like four words in. Nina oh, talked no, the whole that, time. That never bothers me. Um, but yeah, definitely get the book, The Attractor Factor, please. Um, read that. And another one I'm I want... i reading another good... I, I just started a good book, too. It's called The Secrets of the Anaki or something like that. Oh, the, like the, the real alien. story of human DNA. Yeah. It's actually really fascinating. I'm, I'm a little bit into it. So if you guys want something entertaining, yeah. pick Brian's book. <laughs> if you want something to help you with your self-fulfilling prophecy, please pick The Attractor Factor. That's right. And then another one to help you with your life stuff is The Game of Life and How to Play It. It's available for free as a PDF online. I know that it's on YouTube for free that you can listen to. Um, that book is easy to get. Attractor Factor is on Amazon and is also an audio book. Might be a free PDF too. You have to Google it. But those two books can help you understand better what I'm saying. And it might help piece some information that I might have left out for you guys. Um, But that's all we have for you guys today. Um, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Sorry if I have very strong opinions. Um, 
don't have to agree with me. I just want you guys to come to your own conclusions. That's what the whole point of this podcast is. It sparks debate. If I'm saying something you don't agree with, then it makes you think more and you come to your own conclusions and opinions. We don't, what we don't want is anyone to follow the media or follow what I say or follow what Brian says. You have to come to, you have to take we, everything we and come to your own. We are a form of media. We we're, are. We're pushing this we content are. as a form of media. We are. So you have to come to your own conclusions all the time. Like this is a podcast about being a free thinker. Mm -hmm. And by Brian being a free thinker and me being a free thinker and sharing it with you, we hope we inspire you guys to be a free thinker in your life, however you wish to, to you know, Think freely. Think freely. <laughs> Thanks for helping me there. Um, don't forget, guys, if you're interested, well, girls, if you're interested in making some money on the side, please reach out to me at nina at bydixon.com or uh, send me a DM on Nina Pal Dixon on Instagram um, with, you know, if you're interested, I'll send you some paperwork. But all I need is people to be able to take, I'm going to be sending free clothing and I'll need you to post it four to five times a week on IG stories and on your feed. You could take it down after two months. I don't care. Um, but just for two months straight, I kind of need that schedule to go. And you'll get paid by everyone who goes on your link, affiliate link, and purchases the stuff. You get a commission of that. So, and honestly, you don't need a big following to make sales. I've been doing a lot of research on this, and I've talked to several business owners who own their own very successful boutiques. And they all said that even if you have five family members who you know will buy this pair of shirt or shorts from you, great. Then you can make $10 off each pair and make 50 bucks. You know, you don't have to be selling to strangers. Start with your family and friends and make money from there. Um, it's not that hard, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a good opportunity to just see how that influencer world works. And if you're experienced, all the better. Um, I know for the experienced ones, if you have media packets, I will be looking at those and if I choose to, if we choose to work with you, then we will get, I know it's a flat fee and then it's a commission for like people who have media packets and we'll work on that as well. Like that's not off the table. I'm total. I'll totally be willing to entertain that as well. So please ask around, um, your friends and family who's interested. Don't be scared if you don't have a huge following. If you have just friends and family following you, you can certainly still sell things and, uh, reach out to me. Sounds good. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next week.